Well, as you heard last week, and well, hopefully you heard, you listened to the sermon, which hopefully some of you did. I talked a lot about emo music, uh, which is a huge part of my life for a very long time, and I'm probably unfortunate for Candace and Mariko is still a part of my life. Uh, there will be common times that I'll put on playlists in the car, and Candace is like, can we listen to something that's a little bit more happy? Um, but uh, this week we have the small homily, and we're talking about uh, faith and uh, in context of what we talked about last week, which was hope, hope for the journey and that we are in front of us, that we keep this hope burning that in the midst of all the craziness that happens in life, we have to remember that we have this hope in Christ. And it's not only a hope that we have that's in vain because we have an experience or a knowledge of Christ coming once and we hope for that return. And this week we talk again, the opposite side of that of faith, which is a little bit different than hope. I always really get these two confused because they kind of sound and act very similarly in our lives. Uh, but I do believe that faith is a little bit different in that sense of how we, it is the unspoken belief that is the thing that, that kind of goes through. Uh, and as you saw, as the title of the sermon, you got to have faith, 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 which is a famous George Michael song, also made famous from The Office when Andy dressed up as George Michael. And I know that during this time of the year, the only George Michael song I should be listening to is Last Christmas by Wham, right? But I, uh, whenever, unfortunately, uh, whenever I hear Faith, I always have to say it like three times in my head. And not out loud, hopefully, but always in my head. And uh, the lectionary scriptures that we have this week are problematic again. Uh, and I and I love this is my love hate relationship with Advent because Advent is such an iconic time in our Christian faith. It is a celebration of the birth of Christ, but at the same time we have this struggle because the scriptures are leading us there, and the scriptures that we sometimes use aren't always that clear. But I do believe that there are some deep connections in here. But we're going to start with our gospel lesson. So, Jack, you're going to read our gospel lesson this morning or evening. This is not a morning time. This evening. You're going to join us up here, buddy. Preach. Okay. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all Judea and all over from and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee the coming wrath. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe. For we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat and with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, 
We're burning the trap with never-ending fire. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing says Merry Christmas. Like, a good story of, like, the axe is at the root of the tree. If you do not produce fruit, you will be thrown into the unending fire. I feel like Christians miss out on a very good Christmas card. Being able to not have that being said out there. But one of the things that's so funny to me is you really do have this moment of this crazy man in the desert saying crazy old man things. Like, if, if you got to think about this. We have a little bit of context. As, as Christians, we probably have heard this story many times about John the Baptist and all those things. But you got to put this in the context of the people at the time. You have this guy who's now living in the desert, scavenging, finding locust and honey, and wearing the skin of camel. And he's out there in the desert saying, like, hey, I'm going to baptize you because the Son of Man is coming. The Son of God. The one that we have been praying for as Jews. He is coming. I have this on good knowledge. He's coming. We need to get ready for this. Now, if I were to go do that in modern day times, I feel like nobody would listen to me. I feel like I might struggle a little bit. And I feel like even if right now, like if I were to have shown up today at tonight's service and just like, hey, I'm going to go have a costume change, come back. And I would be wearing the skin of a camel, have some honey on my face with some locusts, so bugs. And uh, I can't grow a beard. It's one of those Asian gene things. So I can't do a beard. But uh, just be on my face. I feel like most of you would not come back next week. You guys, well, maybe, maybe you would just because you'd be more entertained about what, see, like the self-destruction of this person looks like or the implosion. But I do believe that there is this, there's this weird starkness that is happening out here in the desert that's really, really important. The Jews knew who John was representing. They have heard the words that he is using are the words of Isaiah. They're important words. There are words that these Jews have been repeating to each other to keep hope alive during the dark times of their lives. They knew this is what they were waiting for. And they that John, though his appearance seemed radical, the message was even more radical. And you have this moment where the Pharisees and the Sadducees come forward. And this is a little bit uh, important to know about. Uh, the history and context of the Gospel of Matthew. So the Gospel of Matthew was actually written towards the Jews. Like Matthew, the writer as we know it, really was part of the Jewish community, and he was writing this Gospel really intently to try to convert the Jews towards uh, the Christian faith at that time as they knew it. And so a lot of his examples will actually deal with the Jewish history when he's talking to the Gospels. If you go through the Gospel of Matthew, you're going to find a lot more roots to Judaism than in the other Gospels. And whenever Matthew brings up the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it's like a wake-up call to the reader in the Scriptures. Like, what he's trying to say is, like, this represents authority and power. This is what I'm going to be speaking to in this moment. Whenever I you see Pharisees and Sadducees, he's using them kind of as a punching bag to talk about the religious elite at that time. And this message is huge. See, the religious elite had heard what John the Baptist was doing, and this is kind of their job. And now, once again, this crazy man in the desert is kind of doing their job, challenging their authority, and so they're wanting to come out and be like, hey, let's check this out. What's going on? What's all this commotion? And it establishes this struggle that he begins to, that that John the Baptist points out, that the religious elite had become what I would call most passive in their faith. Their faith was something they knew. 
Their faith was something they lived, but it wasn't something active to them. It became this kind of tool for them to use to get what they wanted in their lives. It wasn't something that was living. It was this kind of passive faith. And John the Baptist kind of points this out in his little rant against them. He says, don't just believe that since you're sons of Abraham, since you're Jews, that you're just saved. The axe is at the root of the tree. If you're not producing fruit, you're going to get cut down and thrown in the fire, regardless of you are if you are a Jew or not. And there's this, this tension that I think that we need to be paying attention to, especially during this time of Christmas. As we approach this time, you know, at the end of the year, we have all of this reflection uh, and nostalgia and all these types of things. We have to start thinking and asking ourselves, are we being active in our faith? Or is this something that's kind of in the background, this passivity that we just kind of enjoy? <laughs> I'm just, I've, I've not looked at this in like five minutes and so I don't know where I am anymore. <laughs> but I do think that that uh, th- this notion uh, and the tension is a struggle that we all face. It's both the active and passive aspects of our faith. And sometimes when we're desperate or in need or perhaps even in joy, our faith can become very, very active. When we have a need, our faith becomes active. When we're desperate, our faith becomes active. And sometimes when we're joyful, our faith becomes active. But also on the flip side of that, when we have our faith for a while, sometimes it can just slip into that passivity or we feel more secure in things like our wealth, our power, or other relationships. We do not feel like there's a need to be active in our faith. And I was actually just having a conversation with somebody about this this week. Sometimes we as individuals or as a community, we can feel like all of our needs are met and we know what we want to do. We become blind to actually trusting in God because we're like, hey, we have the money to go do this. Or we have the authority of the power. I have a vision and need of what I want to do. I don't have to take a step out in faith because I know this will be successful. And I think that that switches our faith into this passivity because we don't face, we're not struggling ourselves to take a blind step. And sometimes our own perceived security can push out our need for faith. And actually, there's also some socioeconomic uh, call out that's happening right here, too. And I want to point that out. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, we usually had great economic power as well as power in a relationship. And John, once again, saying like, hey, that's not healthy the way you've been treating our people. And God recognizes that. God sees how the religious elite have been taking care, have been taking advantage of those below. And that just because you've been blessed financially does not mean that you're safe. There is something about this active faith and not this passive faith that needs to be happening. And I think that you get that in this um, thing where you see how John Point asked them about the production of fruit. The tree is not producing fruit. And I think that there is something really important for us to pay attention to when our faith becomes individualized. And I think that this is where the Pharisees have kind of struggled and fallen into. Their faith was all about them. Their faith was about that individual relationship with God and not thinking about those around them. And I think that this, when our faith becomes only about ourselves and our relationship with Jesus, which I think is such a Western ideal that we have been found to ourselves in the church. And we don't look at the community around us, the people that we pass by in the streets, the marginalized, the poor, when we kind of make our faith only looking up and not out to around us, that faith becomes very passive very quickly because we don't have to trust in God around us 
because we're not willing to step out of line into those darknesses, into those other parts. The Pharisees and Sadducees had wealth and power. They didn't have to look at those around them. They were secure. And then John the Baptist says, well, what fruit are you producing? If uh, if a brother or sister who was hungry came to you, would there be able to for there to be fruit for them to pull off your tree and eat? And John the Baptist is looking at him and saying, no, you brood of snakes. There is no fruit for this community or the passerby, the stranger, the marginalized. They come by and get fruit from you. Your faith has become passive. And he says, like, there's somebody who's coming who's, who's even stronger and, and, and bigger than me. And he's going to cast them into the fire. And I think that for me, this has become so much of me at times where I don't look to other people about my faith. I've been trained my whole, you know, life that faith is just about me and Jesus. It's this personal relationship. And I don't think about those around me. Think about the poor or the needy around me. I just think about as long as I keep in my lane, I do my, you know, these spiritual disciplines. I'm fine. I will have my faith. And John the Baptist is calling him out and saying, there's something deeper to this than just doing these steps. And I think you see that actually in contrast to the epistle reading, which I'll have Sarah read here. So we have a, an epistle reading here from Paul in the letter of Romans. Romans 15, 4 through 13. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we could have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. May the God of endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude toward each other, similar to Christ Jesus' attitude. That way you can glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ together with one voice. So welcome each other in the same way that Christ also welcomed you for God's glory. I'm saying that Christ became a servant of those who are circumcised for the sake of God's truth in order to confirm the promises given to the ancestors and so that the Gentiles can glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, because of this I will confess you among the Gentiles and I will sing praises to your name. And again, it says, Rejoice, Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles and all the people shall sing his praises. And again, Isaiah says, There will be a root of Jesse who will also rise to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will place their hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in faith, so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> So this is important words from Paul, and I think you can actually see very stark difference in between what Paul is here is writing and what the author of Matthew is putting out of John the Baptist. This was a lot of you in there, and then Paul is using a lot of we. And I think that there's this, once again, this active and passive. And actually what Paul is really getting to in that scripture is the inclusion of the Gentiles into the Jewish faith. The belief that these Jews had that salvation was going to come for them and save their people Paul is now saying, like, hey, Gentiles, which are people like us, not born of Judaism, not born as children of Israel, that we are now allowed entrance into heaven. We get to be a part of God's family. And Paul is saying, like, how important it is for us Gentiles. Like, that's such an important thing for us to be included into this conversation, to be added in. And then Paul says, like, so now with that idea in mind, go think about other people this way. And I think that this is one of the passive and active faiths. In a passive faith, you can only think about yourself and your own salvation. And Paul's all the saying is like, yeah, that's important. Individual things, like your individual relationship with Jesus, don't hear what I'm not saying. That is important. But it is not the end-all be-all. 
Because Paul also says, now that you have that individual faith, now go and see the other people too. Because God has sought and to include you, then you shall go and include other people. And I think this is the struggle that we face because we sometimes, and this is probably just as much as it is for me as for everybody here, the struggle to include people is very, very faithful because it's very, very difficult. Um, I was reflecting upon this uh, with Candace and some other friends this last week, uh, some of the other pastors that I know. And I, as you know, created a Facebook event for this and I sent out invites to a lot of people. And I was having like a mini anxiety attack every time I was scrolling through my friends list of saying like, do I invite this person or do I not? Do I want to out myself as a pastor or do I not? Do I want to, even though I've had very passive conversations with this individual, do I want to take this next step? And it's a very scary thing, but that's an act of faith that God is calling me into saying, hey, Jerry, this is a step into the darkness and I need you to trust me in this step. And I think that that inclusion, I know, that inclusion of the Gentiles where we got included was that blind step. And then out of that, good things have come. And now we need to look at that and then be encouraged by that to go and do that likewise. See, once again, I just don't pay attention to my own notes. Yeah, I'm going to say some last words about faith here. And then we'll we'll get into uh, some time for prayer. And I think that the important part about our faith is that the reminder that we have been chosen by God. And we have to have faith in that. And if we do believe that, then our faith can become active when we think about looking to the other and not just our own selves. And I know looking to the other can be such a difficult task because it is taking that step into the dark changing a relationship, asking a question. But we have to believe, since God included me, that God also included them. And if God had <laughs> and if God had asked for me, then God too has asked for them. And that faith is to be the faith that we should have and be found having. That we should be found <laughs> that we should be found having. Um, and so as we have lit the hope candle, as we think about faith, that our faith is not just for us, but it's also for those around us. So let us remember that in this Advent time. Amen.